welcome back to the Very Short Introductions podcast. From public health to Buddhist ethics, soft matter to classics and art history to globalisation, we'll showcase a concise and original introduction to a wide range of subjects for wherever your curiosity may take you. So here is today's Very Short Introduction. My name is Philip Dwyer and I'm a Professor of History and Director of the Centre of the Study of Violence at the University of Newcastle in Australia. I've written Violence, a very short introduction, which looks at various aspects of violence in the modern world, and by that I mean the last uh, 200 years or so, although I sometimes go back further in time when it's necessary to give a little more background. The core of this very short introduction is history, and I've limited my discussion of violence to the more visible physical acts at the expense of other non-physical forms of violence. I came to the history of violence in a somewhat roundabout way. I'm a French historian by training, a specialist in the 18th century, and the author of a three-volume biography of Napoleon Bonaparte. It was while I was researching the first volume of the biography, Napoleon's Rise to Power, and in particular when I was looking at his campaigns in northern Italy and in Egypt, that I came across a number of massacres that were perpetrated by French troops on the local populations. I started to delve a little more deeply into the dynamics and mechanisms behind massacre and mass violence. That's the how, if you will, but the why necessarily has a human dimension. I guess I was interested in understanding how normal people, in inverted commas, uh, can kill, and not only kill, but commit acts of atrocity, such as mutilation on the body, both before and after death, even when there was nothing in their personal lives prior to that moment in time when they took part in the mass killing, that would have explained their behavior. At heart is a question that's perplexed me over the years, and I guess we're witnessing this again in Ukraine in 2022. Have we really changed all that much over the centuries, or is the capacity to kill a constant that is hidden within us until it emerges in the right circumstances. The history of violence emerged as a discrete topic of research during the 1980s, although historians have always written about violence in one form or another, warfare, genocide, slavery, colonialism, homicide, rape, and so on. But since the 1980s, there has been a sustained debate among scholars about the origins of violence and warfare, in prehistory in particular, the interplay between biology and culture, the role of the state in violence, the use of statistics in measuring violence and whether it's even possible to measure violence accurately, the role of honour and masculinity in male-centred violence, let's face it, most violence is male-centred, and whether violence is really declining over time, as some scholars have suggested, or whether it's on the contrary increasing in some areas. Moreover, each form of violence generates its own debates about definitions, processes, and causes. What constitutes homicide, for example, will vary enormously from one historical period and from one 
legal jurisdiction to another. Similarly, the meaning of rape will vary greatly across socio-cultural settings and across time. And likewise, what constitutes genocide has been the object of intense study and debate. I try to tease out some of those debates in this very short introduction. I look, for example, at the family, which is probably one of the most violent social institutions in the world, as well as sexual assault and child abuse, which have very much been in the media in the last few years. Gender violence appears to be on the rise in many parts of the world. There's no one cause behind this, although outdated patriarchal and misogynistic attitudes can help in part explain its pervasiveness. Violence against women and children, both in the family and outside of it, persists to the present day and is an enormous global problem. Attitudes have shifted in some parts of the world. We've seen what can happen with the Me Too movement, for example, but they have barely shifted in other parts of the globe. The vast bulk of interpersonal violence is male-on-male violence, as I've suggested. For much of history, killing was often bound up with notions of honour. It's about proving oneself and belonging to a group. Now, notions of honour have changed dramatically over the centuries. It's no longer necessary for men to redeem their honour by a show of physical force, or at least not to the extent that it used to be. And these changes in honour run parallel in some respects to the steady decline and the transformation of interpersonal violence and especially homicide. So I look at some of the arguments used to explain the decline of murder in the Western world and why they remain relatively high in the United States, for example. Homicide rates can vary dramatically from one country to another, as well as over time. And levels of violence will very much depend on who you are and where you live. Someone living in the favela in Rio, for example, is necessarily going to experience levels of violence very differently to someone who is white and middle class and living in a country like Australia. One of the aspects of violence that has intrigued me is the willingness of societies to inflict death on those who deviate from the rules and the apparent readiness of crowds to enjoy the spectacle of pain and humiliation on, inflicted on people they thought deserved it. The fact that spectacular forms of violence can be found throughout history, including one might argue in the cinema and in video games today, begs questions about uh, human nature and the extent to which violence can be repulsive and yet entertaining and exciting at the same time. It also raises questions about the role of the state in controlling or monopolizing violence. The state's monopolization of violence and state-sponsored genocides around the world has made it, the state, one of, if not the key vectors of violence in the modern era. Think of the Armenian genocide, uh, famines in both Russia and China, in which millions died, the Holocaust, of course, but also genocide in Cambodia and Rwanda. One sociologist has argued that as the state's power increased, 
and as some forms of violence declined, other forms became much more private. That is, violence simply evolved and changed, not simply quantitatively, but also qualitatively. In contrast to interpersonal or intimate violence, collective violence can also involve crowds of people as well as, as, well as groups that are part of a specific organization, gangs and organized crime, for example. Different kinds of collective violence have existed throughout history, from subsistence riots and large-scale revolts to revolutions. Much of the collective unrest in Europe and China and India over the centuries was subsistence-related, but that largely ceased by the middle of the 19th century with improvements in agriculture and transportation and urbanization. Nevertheless, collective violence can include large swells of social and political unrest, and we've seen this quite recently with the Black Lives Matter movement and even the pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong, which uh, really took off in 2019 and 2020. Are we getting more or less violent? I don't think we can say with any certitude that people in the pre-modern world were more violent or less violent than people are today. If we're going to compare present levels of violence with the past, I would argue that we are simply differently violent. For historians, then, the question becomes not how violent was such and such a period, but rather how was such and such a period violent. I hope violence, a very short introduction, piques your interest in this approach to history. If it has, there are interesting works being published all the time, and there are suggestions for further reading at the back of the book. Who knows, one of you might one day write your own history of violence. Thank you for listening to the Very Short Introductions podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favourite podcast app to receive new episodes directly to your feed. All of our episodes, new and old, can also be found on SoundCloud and YouTube at OUP Academic. Thank you.